Hello, and welcome to the Church on the Hill podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, we invite you to join us live this Sunday at 500 Sands Drive in San Jose, California. Visit churchonthehill.com for service times and directions, and also to learn more about connecting, growing, and serving at Church on the Hill. Now let's join lead pastor Scott Simarok as he teaches at Church on the Hill. Thanksgiving weekend. How full are you? I know what you're thinking. When I asked that question, how full are you? You automatically went to what you ate. Turkey, pumpkin pie. Am I right? That's what you thought about. As great as that is, my question is, how full are you? How full of gratitude? How full of joy? I mean, how full of thanksgiving are you? Like, I don't know who you spent Thanksgiving with, but maybe that was a blessing to you. Maybe that was a challenge to you. I don't know. But how full are you of thankfulness? It's a great question. Today, this is what this is going to be. This is going to be an exercise in building thankfulness. So here's what you have to do. You have a Bible open, okay? If you don't have a Bible, grab one out of the chair in front of you. You've got a digital Bible, totally fine too. Um, but have your notes open too, because you're going to have to write in there. Because I, I want you to express your thanksgiving inside the notes. But before we get there, um, this is also the kickoff to our Christmas season. We lit this Advent candle. The word Advent means coming. This is a preparing for the coming of Jesus. And so these candles represent hope, love, joy, peace, and then the Christ candle. And we, we light that Christ candle at our Christmas Eve service. So for you to be ready for Christmas, let me explain a few things. Christmas lands on Sunday this year, Right? So it throws things off a little bit for us. It doesn't often land on Sunday. So let me tell you how we're celebrating. We always do a big Christmas Eve service right here in this room. We're going to have it at 5 o'clock this year. It's going to be a little earlier. Here's why. It's Saturday, so probably not a lot of you are working on that Saturday, Christmas Eve. So we're going to do 5 o'clock because I know a lot of you go to have your family celebrations over dinner that night. And so we want to provide space for that. It's an hour-long service. But here's the real reason why we do this on Saturday night, not on Christmas morning. We believe in, um, in prioritizing those people who are beyond our walls. It's one of our values of crowded heaven. And because of that, we think we have a better opportunity to get your friends and your family members who don't have a church home to get them here on a Saturday night for Christmas Eve service than Christmas morning Sunday. So because of that, we're, we're really emphasizing the, the, the Saturday night. And so here's what I would ask you to do. Who would you invite? You'll see on our social media, you'll see on our website, there'll, there'll be a graphic that looks something like that behind us. Would you forward that to people? Would you invite people? Maybe more than that. This Christmas, have some guts and just invite people to join you at the service. And we'll celebrate that together and, ha- and have a great time. Now, Sunday morning... Uh, we're going to give you a couple options. We will put out an online service that if you, your family at home, want to watch that online, you're totally welcome to make that a part of your Christmas celebration. There's some of you who are like, you know what? No, Christmas on a Sunday, I got to be at a live service. Even though we were here the night before, 12 hours ago, that's totally fine. I would invite you, we will have a service here. Uh, Christmas Day, Sunday morning, probably be a smaller service because I know that a lot of people will be doing other things. And so it'll probably be in the chapel across the way. And, and so... It, I think we've given you three great options about to celebrate the gift that God's given us in his son, okay? So you make your plans accordingly, but I hope you will give that gift 
to other people as well. Uh, last kind of form of housekeeping here. This Wednesday night, we are having our vision gathering. What's a vision gathering? Uh, we called it Church Reimagined. We launched a vision uh, several months ago that's different. And, and so here's what happens with most visions. It makes it to paper. It makes it to a binder, and it ends up on a shelf somewhere, and no one can remember what it says. We don't want to do that. So here's what we're doing. We're gathering together for an hour on Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. And if you call this church your church, you're like, this is my church, then I would invite you, challenge you to be here. Here's what what we're going to do. We're going to keep clarifying the vision. And then we're also going to invite you to join the vision and participate with it. And here's what I think is the best part. We're going to celebrate the wins. We've had some wins in the last couple months from people's lives who've been transformed to things that have happened overseas that we've been a part of, and we just want to celebrate those. And so I hope you'll come and join us for that this Wednesday, 7 o'clock. Here we go. We've uh, Today, we're going to do this exercise in thankfulness, all right? So we're going to look at the book of Colossians, where we've been in this series called Core Sample. And it's this, where Paul writes this letter to the, the church in Colossae to say, build your life on the foundation of Christ. This core sample, core sample is like how dense is the land underneath where you're building? Is it really secure enough to build on? And the reality is, is that building your life on Jesus is a foundation worthy to build on. And so right now I'm going to do this. We're going to go through the book of Colossians and seven places in this letter, it's only four chapters long, but in seven places, Paul not just invites us, but commands people to be thankful. So before we get there, I want us to bow our heads. You've had a whirlwind of a weekend, right? And I want to make sure that our minds and hearts are ready to have God open them up to his word. So let's bow our heads for just a moment. God, I would ask that you would open our minds to your word. We know that you speak through these words we're about to read. And we invite you to direct our thinking, direct our hearts, remind us today of everything we have to be thankful for. And we're thankful for your son, Jesus, more than anything. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. I love the question. How full are you? How full are you of thanksgiving, gratitude, and joy? So in this letter that Paul writes, seven places where he tells us to be thankful. It opens up in chapter, chapter 1, verse 3. Here's what he writes. He says, we always thank God the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Because we've heard of, here's the two words, we heard of your faith. We heard that, that you're believers. We heard that you're in the family of God, your faith in Christ Jesus, and of the love you have for all God's people. Um, this Thanksgiving, we had a great time. Kelly's mom was with us. And uh, Austin flew home from Phoenix. And then Courtney and DJ come at, came up from Southern California. And this is our first Thanksgiving where we shared Courtney with her in-laws, right? So that, that was different. But it was super cool because the day after Thanksgiving, we, uh, they planned a triathlon. It was awesome. You know, a, a three-sport event. So morning was pickleball. <laughs> Lunchtime was uh, mini golf. And the afternoon was bowling. It was fantastic. But it's just funny, like partway through miniature golf, you know, we're watching and miniature golf is just impossible, even though I shot the low of 40. Okay. But partway through that, I'm just looking out and here's my kids. 
And I call them kids, right? They're like, I don't know, they're 21 and 23. I hope I got that right. But I'm just standing there watching the interactions that are happening. I'm so filled with thanks. You know why? It's not just that we get to get time together. I know that they're walking with Christ. One of the the Sockies, they lit that candle. Isaiah goes to school with Austin. I got this great picture that Ron, his dad, sent me. And it was Austin, Isaiah, Preston, who also goes to school here. Um, It was this whole group of them that go to Bible study or do Bible study together. Man, we've prayed for my son that he would walk with Christ. And it it just, over mini golf, right? (laughs) Over mini golf, I'm like, my heart is full because I know he's walking with Jesus. And I look at Courtney, I look at DJ, and my my heart's full. I'm so grateful for for the blessing. And, And I think that's what Paul is doing here. Listen to what he says. I I always thank God, the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you because we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. You know what he's thankful for? He's thankful for his church. Now, granted, he hasn't really met these believers. He didn't plant this church, but he's like, no, I'm thankful for this church, this group of believers. And this Thanksgiving, I can look around the room and see my friends, see people I've known for years. The Saki's 15 years, Ron's in my men's group. And I can just go, I'm thankful for that guy. I know more about that guy this year than I ever have. I'm thankful for him. I know where he's, how he's walking with Christ today, and I know where his eternity will be. So let me just ask you this question. If this is an exercise in thankfulness, who are you thankful for? Who's a part of your church? Who are your people who walk with Christ and you're just like, maybe it's your family, but maybe there's people outside your family. Maybe you don't have anybody in your family who's walking with Christ, and you can honestly say, there are people of faith who have loved me, encouraged me, and helped me. Who would you write down? Since this is an exercise, start writing. Who would you say that you're thankful for today? I'm thankful for my church, the people who are walking with Jesus, who love me, who encourage me. Just write them down. By the way, this is going to be way better if you interact with me on this, all right? So write stuff down here. When I say write stuff down, everybody keeps staring at me. I'm like, they ain't writing anything down yet. Number two, the second place where Paul writes about this Thanksgiving, uh, he writes this in verse 12. He says, and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. I think this is about being thankful for your own salvation. It's not just thankful, but it's joyfully being thankful. Um, If you have trouble thinking about like, ah, I'm not even sure, like how am I joyful for my own salvation? I gave you some ideas. They're right in the notes. If you open that up there, right on the inside, there's a box right there. Take a look at that. Those are all just from Colossians. Those are all things that that God has done for us. And if you just browse down those for just a minute, God is transforming you. God gives wisdom and understanding through the Spirit in you. God is strengthening you with all power. God is giving you great endurance and great patience. God has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. I mean, God has qualified you, not based on what you've done, but what Jesus did on the cross for you, to to share in an eternity with him. So how would you write it down? Just write it down. God, I'm thankful for my salvation, and just describe it for just a moment. How would you write it? Um, 
As you're thinking about this, let me just give you a quick illustration. Have you almost gotten a car wreck? I mean, who hasn't, right? I, uh, <laughs> there's a couple of you like, never. <laughs> I was driving, making a left-hand turn. I was out to lunch with a friend of ours in the church, and I, went, I had a green light, and this guy ran through a red light and literally almost T-boned us, and, and I was like, ah! I had a pretty unspiritual moment. Followed by a great spiritual moment. Thank you, God. Like, but you know how thankful you are in that moment that you, you, disaster didn't strike you. It's that same type of feeling if you pause and think about your salvation. I could face the disaster of my life without God. And if you think it wouldn't be a disaster, then you need to be reminded of what you got saved from. I've been saved from a life after this life that is separated from Jesus. I don't have to experience hell. The disaster's been diverted. I've been adopted into God's family. And you know, you see emotional, disaster just missed. I think that's one way you could write about it. I think this is uh, grateful for your own salvation. The third area where Paul writes about this Look at chapter 2 and go down to verse 6. I love verse 6 and 7. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, he's writing to the church, continue to walk in him. Like, don't just accept Jesus, but continue to walk in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught. And then it says this, overflowing with thankfulness. Underline that. Um, Maybe this year when I talk about thankfulness, maybe you're a little irritated in the room. Or maybe you're a little sad right now because you're like, I'm not feeling it. And so you're tempted to maybe do this. I just need to appear to be happy. I'm going to fake it till I make it. Fake it till you make it is okay for a real short period of time. That is not what I'm talking about today. Paul says this, I don't want you to appear thankful or grateful or joyful. I want you to overflow with thanksgiving. The reality is, some of us, we feel like our lives might be about right there, right? Is it half empty or half full? Half empty, you pessimists. Some of you are, oh, it's half full. I'm a joyful person. That's the right Christian answer, right? I don't care if it's half empty or half full. You still got half a life, right? Paul's like this. No, no, no. I want you to overflow. You're going to see how unsteady my hands are. Don't worry. I got another one. Paul's like, I want you to do that. I want you to do that. But sometimes we're so focused on, oh, I just have to appear to be thankful. So when I run into people, when I greet people, when I'm with people, they'll think I'm thankful. It doesn't work that way. You see, a person who takes seriously that I just need to fill my cup. 
I need to fill my cup with reminders of what it is I'm thankful for, then that's what he's telling you to do. Because of this, you just watch, right? So if I just go meet people, right? The camera guys are going to hate me right now. Let's see, who do I want? Paul, Paul, hey, buddy. We've known each other a long time, so if I just wanted to, oh, hold on. If I just wanted to greet you and I was like, hey, Paul, what's up, buddy? Good to see you. No, we're good. We're good. I know your shoes are getting wet. I'm sorry. Sorry. Those are some nice sneakers, bro. Now, what if Paul says, uh, I'm, not a, I'm not a handshake kind of guy. I'm a hug kind of guy. Just kidding, man. <laughs> he would have done it, right? And there would have been water all down the front of him, all down the back of him. Like, Because why? Because this is so full that there's no way you can walk around these kind of people and not get a little bit of their thankfulness all over you. I think that was what Paul's talking about. Be the kind of people that your job isn't to appear thankful. It's not about the outward expression of it really as much as it is just fill your cup. Fill your cup with the reminder of what it is Jesus has done for you. Be thankful for your church. Be thankful for your salvation. Let your thankfulness just overflow. And if you just fill your cup, it's going to run out over all the people you meet and over all the people you are thankful for. So would you pause just for a moment in your notes right there? I am thankful for dot, dot, dot. How would you just answer that? Maybe it was something that happened this week. Maybe it's something that you just carry with you all the time. What is it that you are thankful for? Just write something down. Sorry, not a part of the illustration. All right, the fourth one. He says this in chapter three. You gotta flip over chapter, chapter three, verse 15. He says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace. And then he says this, he shifts from peace to thankful. He says, and be thankful. So this peace has a double meaning. The, the peace is that Jesus gave us peace with God. In, in the book of Romans, it states this, that we were enemies with God. And some of you are like, I, I've never had an enemy. No one hates me. Like, I'm not anyone's enemy. No, no, no. When we rebel against God, when we do life on our own, the Bible says this, you were born into sin, therefore you were enemies of God. If you're not in his family, the Bible describes it as being an enemy of God. But in chapter 5 of Romans, it says this, Jesus Christ, he has given us peace with God. I mean, it's like contractual, like you were an enemy of God, now there was a peace treaty signed by the blood of Jesus, and now you are at peace with him. Because we're at peace with him, you know what it gives us? Peace in here. That's the double meaning. It's not just the peace you have with God. It's the actual feeling of peace that you can have with God. So I'm going to state it this way. I'm thankful for peace that brings peace. You and I, we live in a world that doesn't know a lot of peace right now. It doesn't know a lot of, ah, life is good. And that's peace. Knowing that whatever is happening around you, You can pause and go, life is good. Why? I know my maker. I know the one who saved me from myself and my sin. I'm totally at peace with God. Therefore, I have this peace where the circumstances in my life don't have to wreck me and disable me. The Christian peace is greater than fear. 
Christian peace is greater than anxiety. So for this, what would you write on your, my, my thankfulness can offer peace by, and maybe you would just write this, my peace is greater than, and write that thing down that, that threatens your peace. You can hide it from your neighbor, it's fine. The peace I have is greater than what? The fifth area that Paul writes about this is in the very next verse, verse 16. He says, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God, and here it is, with gratitude in your hearts. This morning, we uh, sang some songs. Can I ask you a question, though? Did you sing with gratitude? I mean, did you sing with a smile on your face? It's weird because, like, when we're grateful and we're thankful, it shows up somewhere around here, right? I know some of you have, like, your standing face is like, and this is how you operate. I get it. Meet me too sometimes. I don't always look happy, even though inside I can be happy. But when you sang, honestly, how full was your heart of gratitude and thanks? Don't worry, we're going to give you one more shot at the end of the service to get it right, all right? My question to you, though, in that exercise there is, what's your song? Like, when you're happy, joyful, when you're thankful and grateful. We, we got a song, don't we? I mean, songs just pop into my heart. By the way, if you know what your song is, just write it down right there. This is my jam. This is what it is. I mean, w- w- when I'm thankful, you know what pops into my head? Just weird songs from like when I was in college going to APU and we, we'd sing songs like, um, he gives me joy like I never knew. He's been my friend. And it's just, it's just a simple praise course, but like for some reason, like I just keep thinking of that song. Do you have a song that just pops in your head? Now, here's what's interesting about music. Music functions both ways, and this is what I mean by it. When, when sometimes you're like, I feel so thankful right now that I have a song in my heart, and you just start singing it. You don't even like plan to sing it. Like, I'm thankful I should sing. It doesn't work that way. You just start singing, right? But other moments, let me just say, that's an expression of thankfulness. You know music also works the other way? When you're not thankful, when you're struggling with something, and all of a sudden a song comes on the radio, and you're like, somehow that song snuck in the back door of your heart and invaded that place where you were upset, dry, lonely, and all of a sudden it made you grateful. See, listen to this. Music is not just an expression of thankfulness. It can actually make your heart thankful. Here's the truth. I mean, some of y'all who love Christmas, you hear that first Christmas song on the radio, or you set your Alexa to Mariah Carey's Christmas, whatever, I don't know. And it puts you in a mood because it brings back these memories. That's what worship songs do for me. When I hear a worship song like, oh, I remember when I first heard this, or it, it just brings back memories of my own salvation, of what I was saved from, or people that I knew who got saved. I, I would just ask this, like, what's your song? Write it down. 
The sixth thing, we're getting there. It's actually in verse 17, the next verse. It says, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to, the Father, to God the Father through him. Let me, let me just state it this way. Thankful for being in Christ. It sounds abstract, I know. Thankful for being in Christ. What it means is this, that if you're a Christian, you're in Christ. You're in the family of God. He is always with you. So no matter what you face today, you can be thankful that Jesus is right there with you in the midst of it. I am thankful for. What is it about Jesus' presence in your life that you're thankful for? I'm thankful for the wisdom he gives me. I'm thankful for the understanding he gives me. I'm thankful that he's changing me. I'm thankful that he hasn't given up on me. You just sang this song, if I'm not dead, then he's not done. What are you thankful for about him? Write that down. Here's the seventh and final place where thankfulness shows up in Colossians. Chapter 4, verse 2, it says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Thankful prayers, I'll say it this way, is how I fill my bucket or how I fill my cup. Imagine this for just a moment. You sit to be with the Lord. You start reading his word, and then you start praying. And instead of just, God, give me, God, give me, God, help me, God, help me, God, would you, you stop and you say, God, thank you for. And then you start speaking specifics. God, I'm thankful for this. I'm thankful for that. And in the end, you shift gears to, God, because I'm in need, God, I would ask you for this. You know I live in a broken world, so God, would you do this? And he says, devote yourselves to prayer. Don't stop conversing with God. But when you're praying, here it is, keep your eyes open. It doesn't mean you can't pray with your eyes closed. What he's saying is this, pay attention to where God shows up and shows off in your life. When you pray for something, do you go back and go, did God ever answer that prayer? If you prayed for someone that they might come to know Christ or join you at a Christmas Eve service, or you prayed for your finances and somehow you made it through, God was with you. Do you ever go back and just say, God, thank you, thankful, thank you, because I'm being watchful of how he's showing up. In prayer, prayer is the way that we fill our bucket so that when we run into people, when we greet people, when we're with people, we're just splashing thanksgiving and gratitude all over them. You have one, two, three people like that in a room like this, I guarantee you it'll change a whole church. Because those kind of people, everybody wants to be around them. Because it's hard to be. It's hard to keep the stresses of life at bay and really live a life of total gratitude. So I'm thankful. How full are you? I would invite you to do this. Take this home with you. Read through it. Look at all God has done for you in the book of Colossians. And would you really take that exercise seriously? I know it feels like a New Year's resolution type of thing. And, you know, the people who get, uh, get something out of exercise are the people who really truly engage in it. And so I would just invite you, would you today, maybe if you're sitting over lunch with your family, share what you're thankful for? Because I think it matters how full we are. Paul wants us to overflow. Here's what I think is interesting, and we'll wrap up with this. You know the word thankfulness in the Greek when it was originally written? Uh, it's the word eucharistia. Eucharistia. 
It might sound like a word that some of you who grew up in Catholic church or Lutheran church or the, uh, the Church of England, you might recognize the word, it sounds like Eucharist. You know what the Eucharist is? Some of you are like, oh yeah, I remember that. I went to that really traditional church and they had this thing called the, the Eucharist. Um, you may not know this, so I'm going to share this with you, okay? The word Eucharist is used by the Catholic church. It's used by the Church of England and a few Protestant denominations to talk about the bread and the, the wine or the juice that's used in what we call communion. Their, their service is called Eucharist. It's called a Thanksgiving service. The Greek word Eucharist means Thanksgiving. But we, in our Protestant denomination, in, in how we function, we don't call it the Eucharist. Usually we call it communion. So as I wrap this up, we're headed towards the finish line right now, but I'm going to give you some technical information that some of you probably have never heard before. The, the Catholic Church, when they use the word Eucharist, what they believe about the elements are this, that when the priest consecrates that bread and that wine or that juice, they believe in something called transubstantiation. Ooh, big word. It, it means this, that, that the bread actually changes substance. And the wine or the juice changes substance. That the bread becomes the body of Christ. And the wine or the juice becomes the blood of Christ. That, that's why you can't throw any of it away. It has to be finished, right? Because you can't throw the blood of Jesus down the drain. That, that's called transubstantiation. Uh, there's other groups, other Protestant uh, churches that, that would say this, like the Church of England, we'll just say. The Lutheran Church, they don't believe in transubstantiation. They believe in something called consubstantiation. And, and it means this. It means that the bread doesn't turn to the body of Jesus. The juice doesn't actually turn to uh, the, the blood of Jesus. But Jesus is spiritually present with it. So it's still going to taste like juice. It's still going to taste like wine. It's still going to taste like bread because it didn't change to anything. By the way, when the priest in the Catholic church does it, it still tastes like bread. It still tastes like juice. Just saying. But they would say the real presence of Jesus is with you. Something happens there. For others of us, we believe this, that the bread that we eat and we receive as the body of Jesus, it is a symbol. The, the, the DNA, of the, 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 the chemical mixture of what it is that this element is, it doesn't change. As we pray for it, no matter how much we pray for it, it doesn't change. <laughs> That juice is still juice, but it's powerful because it's the symbol of the thing, the one that we're thankful for. So three beliefs here, transubstantiation, consubstantiation, and then the concept that it is, it's a symbol. And so it's interesting because some churches call it the Eucharist. It is the Thanksgiving meal. Isn't that interesting? Have you ever heard communion, the Lord's Supper, described as the Thanksgiving meal? That's what they call it. But it's so interesting because the, the, the transubstantiation and consubstantiation is now known as like the Eucharist. But it's interesting because the word Eucharist just means Thanksgiving. And so somehow that got separated into that camp and into our camp over here because it's a symbol. We call it communion of the Lord's Supper. I don't think the term communion or the term Eucharist actually has to be defined by their beliefs of what happens to the bread and the juice. 
I think, honestly, today we could celebrate the Eucharist as a Thanksgiving meal. And we could celebrate what's called communion. And it's the same thing. And we can celebrate what's called the Lord's Supper because that meal first took place with Jesus in the upper room before he died. Let me read to you. You you may have never seen this before. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 16. It'll show up on the screen right here. Paul writes this. Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation? The word is koinonia. It's the word for communion. Isn't it the communion in the blood of Christ? You're communing with Jesus. And is not the bread that we break a participation, a communion in the body of Christ? Because there's one loaf, we who are many, are one body, and for we share the one loaf. So here it is. Communion means two things. It means when we remember Jesus and we eat and drink this bread and this juice, that we are communing with him. We are with him. It's the reminder of the cost that it took him for us to be able to be with him. But it's also us together, we're participating. We're communing with each other as a church. That as you look around the room at those who eat and drink, you can look at each other and go, we're family. We're together in this thing. You're not alone in this journey with Jesus. So let me just suggest this. These elements of bread and wine, they are symbols of the body and the blood of Jesus. But this is also, number two, our Eucharist. It's our Thanksgiving meal. The third I believe it's our communion because we commune with Jesus in this, commune with God, and we commune with each other as the family. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to end our service by having a Thanksgiving moment, a Eucharist moment, a Lord's Supper, a communion. And so our band's going to come out right now, and uh, they're going to lead us in a time of worship. But here's what I would invite you to do. There's tables around the room if you're a Christian. By the way, that's the only thing that's necessary to participate in this. That if you're a Christian, that you would go grab that and receive that. And you'll see there's a little cup there. There's bread on one side and and juice on the other. And maybe you'll do this together as a family. Maybe you came with friends today and maybe you'll do it with friends. Or maybe you're going to do this all on your own. There's no right way to do this. And would you open that up and you can eat that bread and drink that juice. But in that moment, I'm going to invite you to do something, okay? Before you eat, would you just hold those? And I want you to be reminded of what you're celebrating. It's the body of Jesus broken for you, broken on the cross. It's the symbol of the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross. It's the payment for our sins. And so would you do this? First, have a moment of confession. There's probably some things that you can remember this week that you didn't get right, have a moment of confession. And I want you to do this out loud. Just give Jesus thanks that he loved you so much that he gave his life for you. And then eat and drink. And let your cup be full today. Full of thanks and gratitude and joy. And like I said, the only qualifying matter in this is that you're a follower of Jesus. But can I tell you this? If you're not yet a Christian, if you haven't yet given your life to Christ, maybe today's your day. Maybe today you finally believe, 
I believe that Jesus is real. He died on a cross for me so that I could be forgiven. And you're ready to cross that line of faith. If you want to have that conversation with Jesus today, then do so. And you're welcome to join us. But if you're not yet a Christian, can I just say this? We would love to have a conversation with you about that at some point. But we always leave the ball in your court. You let us know when you want to chat about that. Because I think there's some great evidences in the world that Jesus really is God's son. And his death on the cross opens the door to his family and opens the door to heaven. And because of that, we could be thankful. Can we pause for just a moment and just pray? And then I will dismiss you to, uh, to go receive the bread and the juice. Lord, thank you. We can't say it enough, God. And it doesn't do justice to, to what I feel in my heart to just say thanks, but I'm grateful that you gave us an experience, a meal that we could touch, eat, and drink to be reminded about what is central, that you paid for us with your own body and your own blood. I pray that we would live lives that honor you the same way that you gave your life to us. Would we give our lives back to you to live for you? I pray that somehow you'd break through the hardness or the numbness of our lives that we would truly be full of thanksgiving. We pray this in Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen.